Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ike MMA podcast or the Ike MMA show, whichever one you prefer. And I have here with me my um, my guest uh, from the Norton from the Norton MMA um, show. You got a um, is it a podcast or more or less like a um, almost like a mixed martial arts news platform that you got? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's a lot of breakdowns, a lot of analysis on it, and we do an MMA show as well, where we uh, get anyone from the organisation or promotions on board, similar to yourself, and just have a little chat. Okay, good, good. Now I like that, and I can see you guys are putting out content almost twenty four seven. But you're starting, <laughs> I've really got to step up my game because your channel is growing really fast. Your all of your socials is growing rapidly. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going good. It's predominantly I'm I'm quite bad on social media to be honest with you. Um, I'm spamming I think a few people a bit too much, but uh, yeah, it's it's it. My game's YouTube at the moment, and it's uh, it's grown nicely over the last year. Okay. Um, so where should we start? I mean, I wasted half an hour trying to get the link to you, and you said <laughs> you can only uh, six me for about forty. No, no, minutes. I can push I can push it on a little bit, mate. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the time for now. Alright, so. Where should we start? Um, I was going to talk about the past, uh, the main events of the past um, uh, two weekends, this past each weekend, the past um, um, the weekend before that one at the UFC. Um, starting with the Hamza um, Shmaya against um, what was his name? I've, I've forgotten the name of the oh, other Gilbert guy. Burns. Aha, Gilbert Burns. Um, I was saying that the post I made about it um, from what I could see. I was, I was looking all over the um, Instagram just looking for um, where I could post just a small clip of the fight because it looked like more like a war than a fight, the way they're going at it for, till the very bitter and bloody end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hamza is, is the proper test for him, wasn't it, coming into this? Because he's yeah. not he's taken two punches in four fights in the UFC, which is unheard of, and just mauled everybody for fun while speaking to the crowd and speaking to Dana White. So facing, in my opinion, the second best welterweight, I think Gilbert Burns is the second best other than Kamara Usman. Um, and to beat him, I think it's... He comes at is the real deal, and it's scary how good he is with only I think eleven or twelve fights now. What is it about those guys uh, from that part of the world? And it's, not, it's not just Hamza; it's Khabib and all the other guys that come from that Dagestan, Dagestan region of Russia. So that isn't fine. Stand up is is great, but their their ground game it seems almost impossible to match that because I say that once, okay. Once they've got you on the ground, you're finished. You're more or less done. Yeah, they these guys are they just wrestle from birth basically with their sambo style, don't they? You got Islam Makachev, obviously Khabib's in his corner now, trained with the uh, Khabib's dad for the longest time. Yeah. You've got people like Saeed Nurmagomedov, you've got Uma, Khabib's cousin. They're all just killers. And uh, obviously, um, you got Hamza who's from Chechnya coming over to Sweden, training at All Stars with Alexander Gustafsson and people like Jimmy Manawa amongst loads others but yeah he's got he likes to strike as well as grapple but you don't want to grapple with Gilbert Burns unfortunately he's a four-time world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu so even even these guys he didn't want to take that risk um you know should I should I touch on this topic um Khabib um unblemished record of 29 and over 30 you know 29 Uh, yeah 29 and 0. Some people have said that his record, and I don't mean this to bash the guy in any way at all, but some people have said, someone who I know who has trained me 
at least on two separate occasions, they've said that his record is actually rather padded. That the people that he went, that he won fights, fights against, um, were actually easy fighters. They weren't proper challengers. But, you know, when I heard that, I was like, are you sure you know what you're saying? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that, to be honest. Mm, I think yeah. to a degree it was padded before the UFC. Um, once he got into the UFC, he, he beat, uh, uh Rafael dos Anjos before Rafael dos Anjos won the belt. You know, this was, this is a very good RDA. He smashed through Edson Barboza, no problem. Alaya Quinta, no problem. And then the last three fights, he's beating McGregor, Dustin Poirier, and D- Justin Gaethje by yeah. finishing them as well. Not just beating them, finishing yeah. them. And he never pretty much lost a round in his whole career. There's only one time people kind of talk about Khabib and his blemishes, and it's when Michael Johnson punched him in the second round uh, in their fight. It, it rocked Khabib for about 10 seconds, and everyone said, he's human, he's mortal. And that's pretty much all the blemish on Khabib's record. He's He is flawless. And that's coming from me, who didn't like him <laughs> because he was flawless. I wanted to see someone beat him, and no one could. Really? It's the puzzle that li- couldn't be solved. Really? You didn't like him at the time? Because he was so good. I wanted oh, wow. to see someone solve the puzzle, and no one could. So I'm fully on board Islam Makachev, because I missed the Khabib train. Because mm. I wanted to see him beaten, so I love. I like Khabib now. I like him now that he's a fat man and he's all jolly. And <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he, he's he is phenomenal. I mean, he's in the goat conversation yeah. for me. He's in the top five of all time. You know, it's quite bizarre because there's the aspects of the trash talking that he doesn't really have, like Conor McGregor. That's when they're complete polar opposites. I mean, when it comes to selling the fight, I think Khabib has already made himself known that. You don't need to, I don't need to talk too much about myself. I mean, I'll do the talking in the cage and you guys can watch me finish the opponent. Whereas someone like Conor McGregor has to, to make sure, has to like, let me say he's, has to like make sure he's almost like well-rounded in the sense that he has to do the talking outside of the cage, then kind of back that up by, um, doing some more talking, some more fighting in the cage. So to make sure they can prove to you that what he said outside of the, outside of the cage was hyping up the fight is true. And, um, you know, um, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite bizarre. He's someone who doesn't really talk that much, doesn't slag people off, doesn't trash talk, but yeah, he's so good and he's so well respected within the UFC and within the community of mixed martial arts and combat sports. So, um, you know, when I heard that, um, when I heard that the point I made earlier that, um, he, someone said his uh, record seems so, um, uh, seemed quite padded. I was like, are you sure? was really for me it was it's very rare that i hear something bad about the guy he's really mm. well liked and well, really well respected very humble yes yeah he, he definitely is humble yeah as you say he lets his talking happen in the cage doesn't it? he i don't yeah. think i think the reason he didn't try and sell a fight is because he didn't care about the money aspect he cared about mm. the legacy aspect he cared yes. about letting himself be the best whereas someone like mcgregor it's not he he, he was very very poor he was on welfare when he came into the UFC. So getting the money was a massive driving factor for him. And then he just had the, you know, the personality and the persona to, to promote the fights as he did. So why wouldn't you? You had the Chow Sonnen factor, as it were. And, um, look, I'm not, I don't like bashing people. I, I don't, I really, really don't. <laughs> uh, I think you saw the list of things I want to talk about. If you've got the time, uh, yeah. I'm going to mention later, but, um, uh, this guy, I mean, He's always in the news. If it's not fighting anything else, it always tends to be something quite not so good. I mean, he was in the news recently for was it some sort of road rage incident or so. I think it was. 
Yeah, I try. I try and stay clear of all, all the outside, <laughs> the octagon, yeah. all, all the outside yeah. octagon stuff for these guys because otherwise you'd just be overwhelmed with knowledge. <laughs> just there's too uh, much yes, to keep up yes. with. When it comes to Con, I want to see if well, as soon as he's preparing for a fight, then I'm on board. Until you know, until then, it's uh, you know, and I saw him win his belts live at Cage Warriors, so I'm very, I'm a very big Connor fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I want to see him get back to fighting, but it's yeah. hard to when you're waking up in silk sheets and you've got a hundred million, do- you know, pounds in the bank or whatever he's got. So, well, I think would you would you agree with me if I said to you that we are grad- we are now seeing the decline of Conor McGregor? Probably even sooner than because he's only what 33, 34. They're still really young. Probably not so much in sports terms, but would you say that we're now seeing the decline of of the notorious um, MMA? I think physically, definitely. Um, I think his knowledge of MMA has gone up more than ever, and mentally he's probably still there. But from a performance point of view and what he could actually do, I think we, he, we've seen the best of him for sure. I, I don't think he's going to win a belt again. If he does, yeah. it will be because of a stylistic matchup, someone he favours against stylistically, not because of outright skill set. I think there's a lot better mixed martial artists out there in the weight classes he is. In. Like at lightweight, Dustin Poirier had his number twice. And Dustin Poirier has now fouled at the title twice. Now, MMA maths never makes sense mm-hmm. perfectly. You know, he beat him, so he beats him. Doesn't work. But... um I think if Conor McGregor is going to win a belt, he's going to get that Dana White privilege to get the title shot again. And okay. probably does deserve it based on how much money he makes for the company. But I agree with you. He ha- we have seen the best of him. This is, we will see the decline of him very soon. Because <laughs> the way I see it, the way I see how he fights, and even after the second loss to Justin Poirier, they still want to run it back for a third time. Um, is that, I, I'm not sure is that's still going to happen. Probably not. I think mm, Dustin... Yeah. Dustin's looking for that Nate Diaz fight. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, and, and Dustin, I think's only got one or two fights left on his contract, and I don't think I think they're probably going to try and set up Conor McGregor against Nate Diaz or uh, Conor McGregor versus like Michael Chandler, something that will really impact the fans as like a mm. high high stake, high money fight, trying to squeeze yeah. every last drop out of Conor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean. It- Speaking of um, Nate Diaz, um, I even heard some people are saying this from another podcast a few months ago, a few months, a uh, few months back, excuse me, that uh, he's yeah now this contrast just approaching exp- the expiration date, and I think after what he's going to do before he fully hangs up his gloves and boots, whatever, he might go and fight Jake Paul in boxing. <laughs> I was kind of when I heard that. I was like, this is just. It's just crazy. Uh, it's never gonna happen. But the way the way thing you know the way things happen in this uh, sport, anything can happen. Yeah, whenever I, I've thought that's not gonna happen, that I I thought that when Connor fought Floyd, that's never gonna happen. He ended up fighting Floyd and actually did quite well against Floyd. Mm-hmm. And then, like Logan Paul fought Floyd, Jake Paul's actually being successful hand-picking opponents as it is and he's fighting old MMA wrestlers not boxers but still he's very clever very intelligent intelligent guy even though he's annoying he's still smart um I'm never saying never unfortunately he's he is smart he knows look at him he's he's doing very well for a reason he's a very good boxer he is a very good boxer he has a lot of power He is a good boxer. Okay, 100%. No. Okay, now this is the point that I was going to say, I was going to leave a little bit later. Let's talk about yeah, yeah, it. Let's, let's lay it out now. Go for it now, now man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I said to many other people, uh, even before the, to many other people, even um, during the Ben Askren fiasco and when they were going to fight, and so when that, that when that was going on, uh, and even with the time Woodley, I said, I'm not going to take this guy seriously, both him and his brother, until they fought a proper boxer. Now I think that would have happened in December with Tommy Fury, and I think yeah. they nearly came. To, well, I'm not sure the whole thing was stage, but they nearly came to blows backstage um, after an event um, sometime in December. That didn't happen because Tommy Fury fell ill. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said before, until he fights a proper professional boxer, someone that boxing is in their blood and they've got a good number of uh, good result, a good record beneath their belt, that's when I, even if he loses that fight, that's when I can start to consider whether I should start taking him seriously at all. Because right now it's all talk. It's all talk and all, all, all hot air. That, that's all I can, all I can say. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand that argument as well. Um, I think Tommy Fury would have beaten him. I honestly yeah, do. Of course, yeah. I think Tommy Fury has been boxing since he was able to walk. He's in a boxing mm-hmm. family. Yes. They yeah. are, fin- they're not just a boxing family. They're possibly the best boxing family. So other than, you know, it's like the Mayweathers and the Furies. They're, you know, they're, they're crazy boxing families that are legitimately the best. So. Jake Paul has serious power. He is very athletic. He has all the money behind him to get all the best resources and training. His brother is a phenomenal athlete as well. They're all, you know, he's a high level wrestler as well. These guys, they they are athletes. They learn quick. They've got the money. And what we saw against, I'm ignoring Ben Askren because that doesn't count. <laughs> that was the mm. silly, silly yeah, fight yeah, to have. Yeah. But, but you can take a lot away from Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley is out of his prime. He's 40 years old, but he always comes in incredible shape. He has never been flatlined like that. Ever. The only thing I have with Jake Paul is he's fighting guys that are a lot lighter than him. He's a big guy. He's like six foot two or six foot three. Yeah, he's quite a big guy. Yeah, he's and and you know Tyron Woodley's five foot eight. You know, it. I've seen recently, and I, you might you might want to talk about this, but he, you know, about the Michael Bisping whole thing. You know, he's he's he started calling that Michael Bisping, and Michael Bisping's okay. He's six foot three or six foot two. He's a big guy as well. Fought at light heavyweight, middleweight champion, obviously. But why would you fight a 43-year-old guy with blown knees and one eye? You need to fight a boxer now. <laughs> it's now's see, the time. See, you, but that's not where the money is. I think he's all the, about money. You could say the same thing about the Ben Askren fight, but I think the Ben Askren fight, like you said, is just a silly idea. Maybe, but in Jake Paul's eyes, I think he probably used it as a stepping stone to just garner some attention of the mixed Absolutely. martial arts community. And then probably, yeah. uh, probably the attention of the whole combat sporting world because many people were behind Ben Askren uh, many people from the mixed martial arts community were behind him, even Tyron Woodley. Um, but many people also being realistic, Ben Askren's striking isn't good at all. And in boxing, really, the, the, the one weapon you have, the really one, the really concrete weapon you have in your arsenal when you, when you're competing in boxing is your striking. That's the, the big similarity between mixed martial arts and boxing. Okay, fine. There's your footwork and how you move to, to avoid the hits and to avoid the strikes coming from your opponent. But I think because his striking was so, or is, because he's still alive and still fairly young. Um, <laughs> because his striking was, is so, I keep saying what's, is so lousy. Many it's people, terrible. On the, yeah. many people, and I, I, when people are saying this, just a few nights, a, a few weeks before the fight, I actually looks on YouTube. Then we look at his past few fights and my God, his, his striking is really bad, but his ground, his ground game, his wrestling, it's fine. But unfortunately in boxing, you can't, there's no ground game. It's all about, you're more or less your stand-up, what you can do with your hands. So, you know, a lot of people were behind, but at the same time, a lot of people were 
being realistic. You know, this is just, mm, it's a bad, bad idea. They could see that Ben Askren was not going to win at all. And that's exactly how this whole situation panned out. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was just a clever move from Jake. Nass, another smart mate. You know, he made a lot of money from that fight. Ben Askren came for money, got knocked out, got some money. Happy days. I'd get knocked out for a million quid. <laughs> You should hear the sort of lines I've I've been knocked out, but not for a million quid as well. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear the sort of statements I heard from people who said that they would have, wouldn't have mind losing that fight. At least we'll be guessing that amount of money. Is it 500,000? Um, even, even though the opponent lost. Um, look, um, back to the initial point I was making. Look, I, until that guy fights someone who is his equal and who is also a proper professional boxer, ranks boxer, that's when I can start taking him seriously because many people still regard him solely as a YouTuber. Both him I and his yeah, I just I just don't see him doing that for a because that him fighting someone that is also four or five and zero, oh, um, that's coming off the regional scene looking to boost themselves. That's not going to make any money. That's that's why he's doing calling out these names. He's calling out names that he can beat for money, and it's a very clever thing to do. But you might be waiting a while for him to face someone proper. If he's, if he's calling out someone just to be for, for the money, for the, for the money's sake, mm-hmm. um, and he knows he can beat them, probably he's calling out someone who their boxing skills is, is very poor. Then as a fight fan, does it really make good entertainment, a good entertaining, entertaining fight to watch? Uh, for hardcore fans? Possibly not. I didn't, you no. know, I haven't paid for the fights. I just caught mm. them the next day on highlights on YouTube. You know, I've, I've watched the fights in full, but you know, I've never, I'm not going to pay for any of it. And I don't think a lot of people will, but mm. the casual people that are interested in Jake Paul, not the opponent will pay for it. And that's where the money comes in, doesn't it? In boxing. Yeah. Because you have the people who are tuning into, uh, who don't like Jake Paul. They want to see him lose. And you have the people who tune in who like Jake Paul. They want to see him win. So, uh, either way you look at it. Yeah. You're right. And, and that, Regards, he's smart because he knows people that the uh, lovers and the haters will tune in either way because each want to see have their own agenda achieved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the past fight at the UFC, not the past one, no, the past events at the UFC uh, just on Saturday was UFC Vegas fifty two. I can't keep up. I see the fifty two or fifty one. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> Uh, which was a main event, uh, Mohammed versus, uh, Vincente Luque. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a bad fight. Nowhere near as entertaining as the uh, main event from the last, from the weekend before. Um, so, um, all I can say is that, yeah, it was, uh, it was alright. Um, I could kind of see maybe, um, Bilal was like gradually just as the rounds are going on, we're just picking his opponent apart a bit piece by piece and finally finished him off at the end. You, th- you thought Bilal was going to finish Vicente, did you? No, no, as in, that's what it looks like. I mean, um, he didn't go in for the kill almost immediately. Oh, I see. He, he, just, he just calculated the whole thing, was a mad and just gradually, gradually taking his opponent apart. But this is my analysis of it, bit by bit, piece by piece, and gradually um, he finished him, finished him off at the end. Yeah, it's... um With with Bilal, it's a it's a I've always underestimated him. I think a lot of people underestimate him because he has that old John Fitch style, which is just a hug and pray. When he gets you to the floor, 
very few times as the advanced position. He knows how to win rounds. He treats a fight like it's the sport, not like it's a fight. And that is very good. But there's a ceiling to that where as soon as he's going to go against someone that he can't take down and hold down, he's dead. He's in real trouble there because his hands are not good enough. His hands just set up all the takedowns and that's where Vicente was going to win that fight. I was a little disappointed in Vicente Luque as well. I love him to bits. I think he's the dark horse of the division, but he, he, he didn't push the pace like I thought he would. And he showed no intent of getting back to his feet once taken down. He almost accepted the position and gave the rounds away. And that obviously is, you don't want to do that against someone like Bilal who will grind out the results. He, he all he wins, it seems is unanimous decisions, which worry me. Um, because when he gets to the title fights, I can see him in a little bit of trouble if he manages to get there. But for me personally, I think this is Bilal's ceiling. I think he, he won't get higher than this as a, as a mixed martial artist. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you, and I hope I sound stupid when I do this, but, um, you really think so? You see, I've not seen enough of his fights before I can give, um, before I can even decide whether I should even have asked you that or not. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen the the Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards fight, it ended yeah, obviously that. in a horrific eye poke in the second yeah, yeah, round. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the, what what we saw from that is Stephen Thompson. I would think, just as an example here, um, Stephen Thompson was possibly one of the best strikers in the welterweight division in welterweight history. He's an older man now, but what Bilal Muhammad was able to do was close the distance, grab him to the cage, throw him to the mat, and hold him down for three rounds straight and win a win a decision. Really good, really impressive by Bilal because I had Stephen Thompson winning that fight. When he faced Leon Edwards beforehand, he couldn't get near Leon. The distance and the, the distance control Leon possessed was far too great. Couldn't get a hand on him. Every time he tried to close the distance, Leon caught him, hurt him, and pushed him back to the cage and landed his own offensive game. And there we saw the level where Le- I think Leon, Gilbert Burns, Hamza, and Kamaru are in their own little bracket here. And I think Bilal and Vicente, those sort of opponents, are the bracket below. And I don't think they can crack through. I think if Bilal Muhammad faced Gilbert Burns, he'd lose. I think if he faced Leon Edwards, he'd get smashed up again. I think if he faced Hamza, he'd be in real trouble. And I think Kamara Usman would finish him very easily. I don't think Bilal has enough tools in his game to reach a higher thing. I could be wrong. He he could he could he could develop more skills. No, I don't think you are I, wrong. I, actually, he, over the last six seven years, we've seen him. He's just improved his game. He hasn't added anything, which is, that's the level I see him at. But again, I could be a Bilal hater, but he's an awkward guy, but I don't dislike his style. I, I find it no. in, intriguing when someone can't get up from the ground. I don't think you're wrong in the, in the opponents that you just mentioned there, Usman, Hamzat, um, Thompson. I don't think you are wrong when you make those comparisons and you make those, um, those, uh, what's the word can you use to describe, um, those analyses, uh, that, that, that analogy, um, I don't think you're wrong because, um, just watching those guys in their past fights and then watching Bilal, just thinking of Usman, his striking is good, his ground game is good, and Hamza, his ground game is really, really good. Um, just picturing the two guys, um, in the cage, um, uh, Bilal against any one of those three, yeah, I wouldn't see the fight going in, Bil- in Bilal's favor at all. Mm. Um, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, even if, he wouldn't win the fight, but I mean, he, I mean, I could see him pushing up maybe a really good uh, fight, but not, I wouldn't see him coming out, coming off a win, coming out as the winner, if you know what I mean. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong at all because now I've seen some of his fights, I've seen some of their fights. I couldn't understand exactly what you mean. Um, 
that's the last one to talk about. Yes. PC on. I've heard, cause I asked you this earlier today, the steroids business. Right. And then later on, um, I think one of the PC ons, um, someone, I think, is it Bobby Brown? There was a, an athlete on the Joe Rogan podcast. He was there with his coach and Bobby they, Green. He, Bobby Green, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> big mistake with the Bobby name. Bobby Brown, I think, wrote some songs, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, other I'm being, other I'm just, I'm a bit nervous. So please, you have to forgive me. Yeah, um, so they were on the Joe Rogan podcast recently and I think him and his coach were saying that PC Yarn and some of the, PTR's other teammates or his part of his, his team, his entourage, they were out in Thailand training and sparring and they were using steroids. And the reason why they're using it in that particular country was that because the, there's no athletics commission or equivalent of what you'd have in the US that can just randomly turn up at the training center or the venue and just test the athletes and catch them out for steroids or any other banned substances. But later on, I think PTR's coach and his, um, his team, they said, that's bullshit. That's, that's not true at all. They don't take, um, they don't take, um, steroids at all. Now, no particular names are called out, but it was said that they actually saw this guy actually taking the steroids. And I think, though it's never been confirmed or proven, but, um, when you look at the athletes, um, I think people have said there's a lot of suspicion that definitely some substances have been taken definitely before they've made tremendous wins. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to to say, obviously, because it's uh, I haven't seen any, I haven't, I haven't heard the episode, unfortunately, on Joe Rogan or seen the videos or whatever. But um, I know definitely you saw to go back to Thailand. I know that for a fact because Hamza Chimai have had to do two tests in a day um, when he was training at Tiger Muay Thai down in Phuket. So he definitely get tested down there. So yeah, I think yeah. that's incorrect data, but um, from the podcast, uh. but. I wouldn't be surprised on anyone doing any, anything possible to win. We've seen it in the past, but personally, I don't think Pyotr is on steroids at all. You can kind of see it from people's frames as well. Generally, his back's not particularly big. He hasn't got that kind of, you know, destroyed skin. And when people take steroids, they they do them. You, you can normally see their their performance. And Pyotr Yan has always been a slow starter in fights. Picks it up late. If you're on steroids, you look like Vita Belfort, <laughs> you know, back in the day doing spinning wheel kicks and. And, uh, at 40 years old. So yeah. I, I personally wouldn't have thought purely hands on, on, on any, on anything. So there's certain things in the overall structure and overall frame of the particular person that would actually give away telltale signs. I and mean, I thought you, it, one big um, sign is acne on the back. The back yeah. is full of spots. Yeah. You see that oh. in gyms a lot, don't you? When, uh, yeah, when, yeah. when individuals are just <laughs> taking steroids just to get big, but that's a different kind. I think that's, that's a that's a different kind of steroid. Um, that's just for muscle growth. There's there's so many different drugs you can use for for boosting endurance and and how you work out. But yeah, any any form of replacement therapy at all, I don't think. I I, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't have thought Pierre Yan's on it. Mm. Although his team are a bit a bit weird. <laughs> oh, okay. When you say weird, as in. Just... You know, when it comes to like throwing the illegal knee in the first fight and just coaching advice, oh, yeah, they, yeah. They, all their visas got declined for the fight against Al Jermaine, so he had no, you know, no corner team pretty much. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
But for me, this has been not just, uh, it's been more than a conversation with you, Lewis. It's more of an education for me. Um, because I do try and focus on the local scene and, you know, the, of many that you can, maybe sometimes Ireland, because Ireland is where I kind of started with my first co-host before gradually I was encouraged to focus on what's happening on my doorstep here. But because it's my, what's my first five years that I've been interviewing, uh, they're, they're Irish. So I still keep up with what's going on over there mm-hmm. because, you know, I started the podcast with them. Um, but what I hate is that for the local scene, for the, uh, those that fight on the, uh, on the smaller shows, smaller promotions, there isn't enough information about them in the media. And when you watch these guys fight, when you watch them fight, excuse me, not fight, when you watch them fight, you can see they're very talented. Yeah. They're absolutely. very talented and the, the fire scene is really entertaining. Yeah, and I think credit to you for for covering local talent. I know Mason down at the British MMA scene on social media as well. He does a lot to try and promote anyone from Battle Arena, Golden Ticket, you know, all these sort of lower MMA events, but still hold very good talent. I know very little actually about Irish MMA and the local scene, so you're an educational point of view for that for for people that need to check it out. So, um, so I don't think there's anything else I'd like to ask you or even cover, cover but is there anyone you want to give a shout out to I think we could run, start to wrap up yeah no no, in particular but no I just appreciate you that was a really good chat with you sir and um, we've got to do it again it'll be, it'll be nice I'll try and get you on my show at one point or the other i make sure I have to do my research for coming on <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely perfect okay so Lewis uh, Lewis um, Lewis Norton Thank you so much for joining me on the show and definitely have to uh, do this again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.